may pull out your Bibles from the pew in front of you. Open up to chapter 19 of the Gospel of Luke, page 854. We will read verses 1 to 10 together. Read the story about Jesus and Zacchaeus. Let's start together in verse 1, going to verse 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything... I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. And God bless the reading of his holy word. A special word of welcome to those of you who are visiting from out of town, we're glad to have you here this morning. Once upon a time, there was a dad who had a little two-year-old daughter. He was putting her to bed, the normal routine of brushing the teeth, good night moon, blue hat, green hat, my first Bible, saying a prayer together, and then the dad looking at his little girl and saying, you know how much daddy loves you? And immediately she snuggled up to him as a sign of appreciation and safety. Then the dad asked her a deep question. Do you love daddy too? Well, that's a lot for a two-year-old. She thought about it for a second, looked at her dad, turned her head, closed her eyes, and said, I'm sleeping. That's our little Carissa. (laughs) Now joined by our little chunky monkey over there, Micah, six weeks old. (laughs) Polar opposites. Uh, Carissa is a petite little thing. She only eats as much as necessary to stay alive. This kid, a little different, a little different. My little California roll over there. You know, we who are parents, man, we love being we love being parents. We love our kids, love seeing them up here singing, taking up valuable pew space. But you know what? There is nothing worse when you're out in a public space or a public place and you realize that you have lost your child. All of a sudden, the bills, the refi, the sales quotas, 
the Weight Watchers points, none of that matters anymore. Because your kid is lost. And pity the fool who gets in your way as you are seeking and searching to find your child. You will stop at nothing. No price will be too high. You will turn over heaven and earth until you find your little girl or your little boy. And it's something inside of all of us. where We know what is most important to us and what is absolutely irreplaceable. And the great thing about this story is it shows the heart of God. Being a parent, being a dad or a mom, saying, my kid is lost, now I'm going to stop at nothing to find him, to find her. So let's look at this story this morning in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. And I want you to keep out your Bibles. Let's not do the Presbyterian thing of closing them up after we read together and shoving them back in the pew. Because this is going to be a little bit of a Bible study this morning. Going to actually teach you how to see some of the things that you might ordinarily miss in a story. But it's easy. A lot easier than you think. I divided this story up into three sections. The first I would call simply too short to see. Some of us can relate to that. Secondly, second, second section is I call it waiting in the tree. And then the third section I would call Jesus sets him free. The first part, too short to see, a man named Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector that was wealthy, a Jewish man who was working for the enemy, he was working for the Roman government, the evil Roman empire that had taken over the land, Palestine. And he was working for the enemy, people did not like him very much, particularly this audience that was following Jesus. He was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was. That because of the crowd, because he was short, he couldn't. So what does he do? The man who is too short to see, he decides to do something that Jesus calls all of us to do. And that is simply to put on the heart of a child and to act like a child out of desire to find out who Jesus is. Case in point, Bible study time. Chapter 18, verse 15. So right before... This encounter with Zacchaeus. Verse 15. People were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they sternly ordered them not to do it. But Jesus called for them and said, Let the little children come to me and do not stop them. For it is such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. So this rich, wealthy Older man, because he was a chief tax collector, what does he do? He is so eager to see who Jesus was, he acts like a child in front of the entire crowd. How does he do it? Well, first of all, if you're rich and wealthy and older, back in those days, you definitely don't run in public. People run for you. But you don't run. You walk with a matter of dignity. Head high, shoulders back. And you point at people and they run for you. But he ran ahead. Secondly, what did he do? Climbed a tree. How many of you who are at least age 21 recently climbed a tree? In public? But that's how desperate he was to see who Jesus was. He humbled himself. It's a great aspect. His heart was so soft. His heart was so curious. 
He said, I don't care if I have to act like a child. And it comes right after Jesus said, hey, if you want to be in my kingdom, if you want to camp out with me, you've got to put on the heart of a trusting child. And he does it. He does it. When Mark was ordained here as the head pastor of this church, what was it, three, over three years ago, there was a Presbyterian minister from Colorado by the name of Jim Dixon. And to this day, I'll never forget one of the things he said. He goes, Mark Brewer, don't ever get over the fact that God has saved you. Have a humble, trusting heart like a child. Don't ever, ever get over that. And if some of you were here, you remember that point as well. Because you took it to heart. He wasn't just speaking to Mark. He was speaking to all of us who were here that day. There's nothing more precious to God than seeing the heart of a child. Friday night, I was at Linwood off the 105 freeway. Oaks Christian, we were playing at the second round of football playoffs. And the first quarter, we were at the 10-yard line. The quarterback threw a 10-yard fade pass in the corner of the left end zone to our starting wide receiver, Mark Richardson. Mark's a kid who grew up in a very tough area of Los Angeles, a lot of odds against him. Wound up, I think by God's God's creativity and providence at Oaks Christian. Made a great pass, landed awkwardly on his knee, and dislocated his knee. A bunch of us ran out there, his knee was where it wasn't supposed to be. He was in great pain, not just physically, but emotionally. Because in his mind, in this 17-year-old's mind, his way out of the tough neighborhood is to go to college on a football scholarship and to go play in the NFL. And as he was sitting there crying, he said, It's over, it's over, I'm going right back to where I came from. And we were sitting, saying, Hey, we're not having any of that, Mark. You don't even say that. His dad came out on the field. And Mark was lying on his back. His dad was behind him. (coughs) Like this holding his head. Saying, hey, it's me, it's dad. It's dad, it's dad. And immediately he calmed down. And the next thing he said is, where's mom? Where's mom? And we immediately began to pray over him. And I'll never forget this picture as long as I live. We were praying over him. And he just kept saying as we were praying for him, Jesus, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. So it was the heart of a child saying, God, apart from you, I don't have a chance in this world. It's a tough world. But he knew to call upon. He knew his mom, he knew his dad, but he knew his Savior. That's the kind of heart that God wants to see in us. If your heart is hard this morning, the question I have for you is why? Why is your heart hard? What are you waiting for? Because a God who loves you is calling out to you. Saying, don't go looking anywhere else for fulfillment, for purpose, for forgiveness of sins. I know you. Trust me as a child would trust his mom or dad. Where is your heart with God this morning? Not only was Zacchaeus too short to see, but later on in the story in chapter 19, we see now he runs ahead, climbs the tree like a child. Now he's waiting in the tree. Jesus comes by. What does he do? 
He says, Zacchaeus. Now again, you put your Bible study glasses on. No one has called Zacchaeus out by name yet. We have no record whatsoever in the book of Luke or of any of the Gospels of Jesus meeting Zacchaeus before the story. But he says, Zacchaeus, I see you. You were a kid playing hide and seek with you. I see you. He responded to Jesus' love. Jesus, Jesus knew his name. Why? I mean, who knows? We could have, there could have been people shouting out Zacchaeus' name. He's a tax collector. He's a scumbag. Ignore him. He's rich. He's rich by ill-gotten gain. Just ignore him, Jesus. However Jesus knew his name, we know this. Zacchaeus was a creation of God. Jesus was God. Thus, Jesus knew his creation and called him out by name. Have you ever been in one of those social settings here in Los Angeles? You know what? When you go to one of those social settings, isn't there kind of a pecking order? Kind of got the VIPs, determine where you park or, you know, this or that. And then it just kind of goes on down. And if you've ever been at one of those events and you're kind of sort of near the bottom, just next to serving the sushi, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, well, you know what, you know, you know what that feels like. But have you ever been to one of those social settings and one of the VIPs goes, Bob, great to see you. Not that you're low on the pecking order or anything, Bob. I just, I'm just looking at you. But you know what I mean? Where someone who's really important, I mean really important, goes, hey, I am so glad you're here. And everybody's like trying to talk to this person, make deals, whatever. You're like, no, 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 no. You are of value to me, and I am here to talk to you right now. I am so glad to see you. And that's what Jesus did here in public. We know there was a, a crowd, a crowd so large that Zacchaeus couldn't see him. Now, all of a sudden, the attention is completely focused on this evil, rich tax collector. And Jesus calls him by name. And what does he say? He says, I must stay at your house today. If you do some word study on the word stay, it literally means, I need to unhitch my animals at your house today. This was not going to be a short visit. It wasn't just tying your animal to the post. It was, hey, we're staying overnight, so get the guest room ready. And out of all the people that I could possibly stay with, I am staying with you, Zacchaeus. Isn't there something in all of us that really responds to a story like that, where you just celebrate when the underdog gets recognized? And we teach it to our kids when they're two or three years old. They go, hey, we got to tell you the story about Cinderella. Here's this girl who had nothing going for her, had no parents, got the evil stepsisters, this and that. And she rises to the top and marries the prince. And everybody in the world, it seems like, knows that story. There's something in human nature that celebrates when the underdog gets recognized. And Jesus recognizes him. Well, guess what? He recognizes you this morning. It's happening today. Can you imagine that? What Jesus is today is saying to you is, I want to stay at your house. I want to stay at your house. Oh man, Jesus, you don't know what's in my house, man. It is messy. I got two little kids. They've destroyed the place. 
No, 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 no. I want to stay at your house. I recognize you. I know you by name. You're my creation. And I love you deeply. I want to stay at your house. I don't even think what everybody else thinks about you. And maybe you've made some mistakes to deserve a crummy reputation and earned every bit of it. But you know, I still want to stay at your house because I love you. And what do you see Zacchaeus do? Man, he just keeps acting like a kid. Because Jesus says, come down immediately. I mean, it's like emphatic. Now. Like a parent. Now. Now, I don't know what it looked like. I'm guessing that when Zacchaeus climbed the tree, it said that he ran ahead. There probably weren't a whole lot of people that saw Zacchaeus climb the tree. Because he was ahead, and everybody was looking at Jesus. But now all the attention is focused on him. And Jesus says, get, Jesus says, get down immediately. And so what does he do? In front of everybody, he climbs down from the tree. And I'm just guessing, we'll watch the video later, but I'm just guessing that probably wasn't very graceful the way he did it. He didn't care, though. It's like, Jesus is going to stay in my house. My house. I'm getting down. So he did. And then finally, Jesus sets him free. Jesus sets him free. Now, just to set up this last part, again, a little Bible study. Verse 7. All who saw it, all who saw this whole thing, began to grumble and basically said, does he know whose house he's going to? He's going to be the guest of a sinner. Going to be the guest of a sinner. Bible study time. Chapter 18, verse 9. Again, this precedes the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. Jesus is setting up the encounter with Zacchaeus. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. You do not want to be described like this as a person. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Wow. God, I thank you that I'm not like sinful exhibit A over here. How convenient, dear Lord, that you provided this exhibit for me to remind me how good I am and how bad he is. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look to heaven. Just like the song we sang, he was the guy who was face down. All of God's glory all around, but he wasn't soaking up any of the glory. He was face down in the temple, beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exhausted or, or exalted. Blip, 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 blip. Sleep deprivation. I'll pull out that card, okay? Wow. You have that story. Then you have Jesus all of a sudden meet who? Bingo, a tax collector. Coincidence? No way. Everybody's saying, Jesus, do you know what you're doing? He says, I know exactly what I'm doing. Do you remember that parable I told in chapter 18? This is it. The first was a parable. This is reality TV. Here it is. Unedited. 
So Jesus sets him free. How do we know? Everybody's criticizing, saying, do you know who this guy is? Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Exodus chapter 22, 1. The Old Testament law says, If you steal someone's oxen, you give him back five. If you steal someone's sheep, you give him back four. Zacchaeus knew the Old Testament law. But there's another part, actually, in the book of Numbers that says, If you have stolen anything from anyone... Give him back what you stole plus 20%. So you got these two numbers. You got four or five times as much, 1.2 times as much. Zacchaeus says, Jesus, half my possessions to the poor and four times as much. Forget this 1.2 business. I want to show you that I'm grateful. Bible study lesson number three. Go back to chapter 18, verse 18. Always look around scripture. Look how Jesus sets up the story. Chapter 18, verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. He replied, I have kept all these since my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, No, you haven't, bonehead. No, he said, uh, There is still one thing lacking. Sell all that you own and distribute the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when he heard this, he became sad, for he was very rich. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Huh. People finally said, well, that's impossible. You can't stick a camel to die of a needle. And Jesus goes on to say, well, it's impossible with men, but all things are possible with God. So, let's, can we just compare the two stories? You have the rich young ruler. He says, what must I do? Jesus says, sell everything. Everything. And give it to the poor. Now you have Zacchaeus over here. He gets away with 50%. He goes, I'll give you half of it, Jesus. And Jesus says, sounds good to me. Salvation has come to this house today. Right answer. Why is that? Why does he ask the guy for 100%? But when Zacchaeus, who had not really been asked for anything at all, the only thing he had been told was, come down from the tree and get your house ready. He offers 50% and God says yes. He says yes because he recognized Zacchaeus' heart. This has nothing to do with 50% or 100%. He knew When Zacchaeus came down, got his house ready, Jesus knew he has identified himself with me. He has identified himself with the Savior. And this 50% business, four times as much business, that is icing on the cake to say, my faith is real. My faith has legs to it. I am following you, and to prove it, I'm going to show you that my heart has been changed. You know, the interesting thing about this is when he says, if I have stolen anything... If you really look at it, the way it's constructed in the New Testament, he is saying, if I have stolen anything, and guess what? I have. If you just look at it in this very basic elementary Greek grammar, the way it's constructed, he is saying, if I have stolen anything, and I have, then I'll get get back four times the amount. 
Jesus accepts his gift and says, Today salvation has come to this house because he understands that Zacchaeus has identified himself with the Savior by opening up his life, his heart, and his house. What about you? You know, at the beginning of the story, I said, you know, as a parent, it's your worst fear to be lost as a child. But I guarantee, you know what, I bet there are 90% of you in here that remember what it was like to be lost as a child. You know how it goes. You're minding your own business, going somewhere that your parents told you not to, and all of a sudden you look around. Mom and dad are gone. First thing you tell yourself is, everything's cool. Everything is cool. Mom. Dad. Mom. You know the drill. You start crying. Some sympathetic stranger sees you. You've been told not to talk with strangers. What do you do? But then, the fact that you're here today shows that the reunification took place. And there was nothing better in the world than to be reunited with mom and dad until you got the spanking. <laughs> but there is nothing like being found, is there? Oh, it's like all is good with the world. <sighs> found. But you know what? Spiritually, there are some of you here this morning... And I don't know who you are, but God knows. And you're lost. You're lost as the sky is blue right now. Because you, you have not ever placed your faith into the hands of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, I would guess, for years has been saying, I see you. I see you. You've been kind of hiding in the crowd. I was at Billy Graham last Sunday. I took some kids from the school. And someone asked me afterwards, was that, how was the sermon? Was it a really good sermon? I thought, you know, it really wasn't that exciting of a sermon. I mean, if you went and heard him, he's 86. The guy's not a spring chicken anymore. But there is still the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the power in his message. I mean, halfway through his 30-minute talk, he said, I need to sit down. If you were there on Sunday, you heard this. I need to sit down. I'm like, oh my gosh, someone called 911. What are we going to do? They were ready for him, though. They go, here's a chair. He sat down, and the hydraulic chair raised up. He sat down. He said, oh, I could go for another hour. <laughs> he preached a little more, and then he said, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, you come down the field right now. And before you know it, People respond and respond to the message of Jesus saying, I see you, and go down and give their lives to Jesus Christ. And one thing I love that Billy Graham says every time, he goes, today is a day of salvation. Why put it off? What, are you going to wait till tomorrow or the next day? What in the world are you waiting for? Do you expect to find better love than this? Do you expect to find an answer for your sins somewhere else? People just flock down. And I'm not Billy Graham. 
that if Billy Graham were here this morning, he would say, give your heart to Jesus today. If you're one of those who is lost, there is nothing better in the world than being found. I want to pray, I want to pray for us. Um, and, you know, 25 years ago, I made that decision as a high school student. And I knew that my life would never, ever, ever be the same. And by God's grace and power, it hasn't been. What in the world are you waiting for? I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to say a prayer as um, the ushers come forward for the offering. And uh, if that is in your heart, you don't need to come forward. Only Billy can do that. You pray that prayer in your heart. Let's pray. God, there is nothing better in this world than to hear you say to us, I see you. Totally exposed. We can't hide anything from you. We may hide things from everybody else, but Lord, you know our hearts. You know our hurts. You know our insecurities. And you surely know how much every single one of us needs you. And Lord, if there is anybody here in this room who is coming to the true realization, they're going, I'm Zacchaeus, I'm the lost guy. But God is saying to me, I see you and I can hide no longer. Then Lord, I pray that today would be the beginning of a new creation and a new life. And if that is you, in the quietness of your own heart, I would just ask you to pray with me. There's nothing magical about these words, but it's where your heart is. Lord Jesus, I need you. And you know I've been hiding. I've been seeking and searching to fill that hole in my heart, and nothing has worked. But now I realize I can hide from you no longer, and you are calling me by name this morning. I want to thank you for coming into my life, for keeping your promises for forgiving me of my sins, and for promising me eternal life. Thank you so much. Thank you for new life. And make me the kind of person that you would be proud of. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.